Hello, welcome back to I Want Her Job, the podcast. My name is Paulina. I'm your host, and we're so excited about all our upcoming shows. And please remember, you can always go to IWantHerJob.com to read more interviews. And if you're enjoying our shows, please share them with a friend and leave us a review on iTunes. Our guest today, Amy Chan, is the founder of Renew Breakup Bootcamp, a retreat that takes a scientific and spiritual approach to healing the heart. Have you ever been through one of those breakups where you wish you could go somewhere until the addiction and pain wore off, where you could hide from the intensity of the breakup, find a new perspective, a new story, a new future, a new way to think about what happened? This is exactly what this boot camp is for. If you want to read more from Amy, Amy is also the editor-in-chief of JustMyType.ca, an online magazine that focuses on the psychology behind love, lust, and desire. In our conversation, Amy shares how a painful breakup led her to the idea for starting her thriving business focused on love and healing. We discuss how Amy's research on love and dating changed her life and set her on a mission to help others. You will love this episode if you're curious about different dating attachment styles, common mistakes, and the single most important thing each of us can do to get on a happier, more loving path. After listening to Amy's passion for how love and psychology are connected, it will be obvious why Mary Claire calls Amy a relationship expert whose work is like that of a scientific Carrie Bradshaw. We also discuss strategies for moving forward when your business numbers are down or when anxiety starts to set in. Here is Amy. How would you describe your current job today? Yeah, I am the founder and chief heart hacker of Renew Breakup Bootcamp. We take a scientific and spiritual approach to healing and rewiring the heart. Wow. So how? So tell us, how does the experience work? Let's say I have a broken heart and I'm coming to you. Yeah. So first we would get on a call to make sure that it's the right fit and the right timing. And once you come to the boot camp, it's held in a beautiful hundred acre estate in upstate New York amongst nature. And we have a team of 13 experts ranging from psychologists, hypnotists, coaches, energy healers. We even have a dominatrix with a PhD from Berkeley who teaches specifically on the psychology of power dynamics. And you basically come on a Friday and um, you're in programming every hour on the hour until midnight. Mm -hmm. And we design it this way intentionally to overstimulate you to really create a shakeup because there's some very old patterns and programming and subconscious beliefs that we need to uh, really get through in order for new seeds to plant. Wow. So it's one day, one full day. No, it's actually four days. Everyone sleeps there. We have an on-site chef and team cooking plant-based meals. And yeah, it's almost like the nostalgia of a slumber party. (laughs) I love it. So how many of the, I mean, you've done probably many of these, right? You've been doing this for- Uh, It's been two and a half years. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so what kind of results are you seeing? Are people staying in touch? What have you- Yeah. So it's interesting. I mean, there's definitely uh, a similar- journey arc that happens at every boot camp. In the beginning, I was like, am I lucky? Is it just this group of women? And what I realized is the program works. And so the women will come in on Friday, usually their posture, their face, uh, their expressions. It's very depressed, sad. They often have a very glazed overlook um, in their looks. And 
what happens is throughout the weekend, you start to see them come alive again. And by the time they leave, their body language is different. They're standing straight. They're laughing. There's a sparkle in their eye. Um, they're feeling empowered. They feel that hope that they had lost for so long. And it's amazing. And everyone's really thankful and grateful. And you never know, right? Because it's the end of a retreat. Everyone's on a high. But what's really incredible is having spoken to these women now six months, a year, two years after their first retreat and seeing what has changed on an outcome level has been incredible. I'm currently writing my book, so I've been interviewing the women. And some of the women who came from abusive relationships um, to being with narcissists to alcoholics um, have now completely changed their lives around. And so um, completely 180 degree changes um, from dating healthy to deciding to take some time for themselves, to rewiring their habits, to creating closure and understanding that closure is only something you can provide yourself, uh, to taking off the, the blaming and victimization hat and taking accountability. It's profound. Wow, that's amazing for four days. And is there any kind of follow-up or reading or just that four days is so impactful? Yeah, so there is follow-up. So afterwards, each person gets a 30-day online course, which is an email every day that's a reminder of the lessons that, uh, that comes with an exercise. Um, they also form um, a, an accountability partner when they're at the retreat. And so for 30 days, there's certain exercises that the that they have to do. For example, they write gratitude every single day and they actually have to take a photo and share it with their accountability partner and do a check-in with the person. We also have a WhatsApp group for every group and the groups are still going from, you know, someone goes on a first date to someone's having a panic attack. Everyone goes on there and supports each other. And we've had women from 22 to 68 years old. And what I found is that it doesn't matter what the the age is, um, the uh, location, the situation, they all have something in common. They all are wanting to create healthy love in their lives. They've all struggled with power in their relationships and um, they all have compassion for one another because they now know that they're not alone in the experience. Mm -hmm. Amazing. So tell us the idea. When was the story? How did you get the idea for this business? Yeah. So um, about eight years ago, I was living in Vancouver and I had a very different life back then. I was working in corporate, climbing the corporate ladder. I was dating a man I thought I was going to marry. He was an entrepreneur. We discussed even the day if we had children, I would be I was staying at home and I would write on the side as a hobby for fun. And so for me, this was the dream living in Vancouver. That's what I saw other friends do. And um, I put so much of my identity in him and in us. And I was really trying to be the perfect girlfriend so I could one day be the perfect wife of a CEO. And when that relationship fell apart, I completely fell apart. I completely broke into pieces. And I didn't know what to do. I thought I was going crazy. And I couldn't understand because I was successful in my career. I had good friends. Um, so the thoughts that I was having that were so insane, even thoughts of suicide, panic attacks, um, depression, it, I just didn't feel like I was myself and I had no idea how to get out. And so I tried everything. I did therapy, Reiki, yoga retreats, Mexico, you name it, I tried it. But there was nothing that was targeted to the type of pain I was going through. Mm -hmm. And my friends, as much as they loved me, at a point, 
they had enough. They're like, just get over it, which is the absolute worst thing you can say to someone when they're in pain. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's kind of the seed that was planted. And the actual business didn't develop until I moved to New York. Um, I continued climbing the corporate ladder. And I've been a relationship columnist for over a decade. And I noticed a trend in all the letters that people would write me, which were people dealing with heartbreak. And also just like me at that time, not thinking there's any light at the end of the tunnel. And I know that's such a scary place to be because when you don't have hope, you're only a few decisions away from doing something completely destructive to either yourself or to someone else. And I said, I have to be the one that creates a safe space for these people where you not only go away and you're in luxury and you're in nature, but when you come and you leave different, you learn something, you grow. And so you're not the same person as when you came in. And so that's how the program was designed. I love it. And I love that you have this empathy because you were at that dark place and not everyone goes there, but you were. So you're perfect to really understand what's like the lowest of the low that somebody can be feeling. How did you end up getting out of it? Was it just time or what, what kind of things did you do? So there's a lot of people that say time heals all wounds. And I do not believe that's the case at all. I think time can uh, minimize that immediate physical emotional uh, pain that you feel, but the wound doesn't go away. Uh, and what we have found now with Breakup Bootcamp is most of the people that come think they're coming to heal because of their ex, and it's never just about the ex. It's recycled pain. And so the wounds from childhood and then the relationships that they've had and then the trauma from that, it all compounds. And then that last relationship is the band-aid that rips off and everything comes to the surface. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have the tools and support, it's very easy to just blame that person and go into some spiral of victimization. So how did I heal? I tried everything and I didn't feel like anything was working. Um, but that's also what happens is when you're in the thick of it, and you're also very hard on yourself. You're like, well, I, I should be able to do this and then feel like this. It doesn't work like that with healing. It's not a linear line. And sometimes I would be, I would be like, okay, I'm like on top of the world. I'm finally healed. And then something would trigger me, maybe a song or something I saw on social media because he had moved on and I would spiral again into depression. Mm -hmm. And so that was totally crazy for me as well. And um, it wasn't until a year and a half later where even though the immediate suffering was away, I was still guarded, jaded, angry, resentful. And um, I was having a conversation with a friend. And this is what happens often too when we're in pain. We just try to tell anyone that will possibly listen. And I was telling an old friend who the whole entire story and catching him up. And he just stopped me and he said, so Amy, does this story serve you? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, um, no. He's like, can you think of another time when he was loving and kind and trustworthy? Tell me some examples. And I'm like, oh yeah, well, there was this time and then there was this time. And then I started smiling and laughing. And it was in that moment I realized that I had such tunnel vision for the pain and the victimization and the anger that I couldn't see anything else because I wasn't looking. Mm -hmm. And I went home that day and I wrote him a letter on beautiful pink stationery. And it was a letter of letting go. And in that letter, I recounted what happened, the facts, not my interpretation, uh, how I felt, 
my accountability in the entire uh, dynamic, um, what I learned, what I was letting go, what I was grateful for, and what I was forgiving. And I sent that letter without any care if I was going to hear back or not. It didn't matter. I was writing that letter for myself. And from that moment on, I have never felt an ounce of anger or negative charge towards him ever again. And fast forward today, he's one of my closest friends. And he jokes that he now shares my company, which is so wow. funny. Um, and so I think that all those things that I was doing was helping, but it was this final aha moment, which was the glue that pieced it all together for me. And that was really learning the tool of reframing. Awesome. I love, love that. And so basically your friend triggered like how you were perceiving the story and the story you were telling yourself changed. And then you were able to look at it in a different way and let go. Yeah. Fascinating. And I heard you on the Black Sheep podcast and you talked about different attachment styles and you know what yours is. Can you talk a little about those and how somebody yeah. can identify what theirs is? Yeah. So to summarize what attachment theory is for those of you who haven't heard of it is, um, we develop an attachment style by the round of two, three years old, which will pretty much develop, determine how we attach romantically in our adult lives. And there's three main categories of attachment. The first one is secure. That's about 50% of the population. Uh, these are people who are not afraid of intimacy. Uh, they're also no, not codependent. In the face of um, something, an issue or an argument, they don't create a catastrophe over it. They're able to communicate. They have strong boundaries. They're able to talk about the boundaries and their needs. Uh, this is the product of parenting that was attuned to the baby's needs. And so they develop a very healthy attachment. Uh, the other type of attachment is avoidant attachment style. And uh, this makes up about 25% of the population. And these are people who grew up with either uh, a parent or two parents that were overly smothering. Uh, that enmeshed the child, meaning they gave the child uh, a responsibility like a therapist or um, perhaps there was a death in the family and suddenly the child had to become the mother or the father of the family. And so basically, instead of the child being able to be a child, uh, the child has to take on another role and responsibility. Um, it also comes from overly controlling parents. And what happens is this child actually not on a subconscious level, suppresses their attachment system. So that means in their adult relationships, their romantic ones, when someone gets a bit too close, they will automatically do what's called deactivation strategies, which will push them away. They are strategies to squelch intimacy, which can include, you might've had a great weekend with someone, and then suddenly you're like, oh my gosh, I need space. Mm -hmm. Or you go into your cave, um, or you ghost, or you um, are feel, feel very excited about someone for the first few weeks, and usually after month three, you start noticing all the imperfections and that person just isn't the one. So there's always a unicorn that they're chasing because as long as they're chasing the unicorn, they never have to really uh, get too intimate with someone. Mm -hmm. Now, the third kind of attachment is anxious attachment style. This comes from inconsistent caregiving, meaning sometimes the child's needs were met, sometimes the child's needs weren't. So the child develops attachment system where it's a matter of survival. They don't know if they're gonna be fed. They don't know if they're gonna have their needs met. And so they're constantly on edge. 
And so what happens is this child grows up to having a very um, easily uh, triggered uh, attachment system. So they're very afraid of abandonment or rejection, and they're constantly looking out for signs and cues. In fact, out of all three of the attachment styles, the one with an anxious attachment is the quickest to be perceive cues um, and like little changes in tone of voice, or even like if um, you make a facial expression, because they are trained to determine like, am I going to have my needs met or not? And so what happens is when they're triggered, so for example, uh, they don't get text back quick enough, or um, they don't hear back from their, their romantic partner in the time frame that they want, they will go and do often what's called, um, uh, they will do punishment. And so, um, sorry, I'm going to repeat that. Mm -hmm. So when at someone with an anxious attachment style is triggered, and this could come in the form of they don't hear back uh, from their romantic partner via text or phone. Uh, they will actually engage in what's called protest behavior. Mm -hmm. Protest behavior can involve punishing their partner, saying, oh, it took you three hours to text me back? Fuck you, I'm going to take three days. Mm -hmm. Or, oh my gosh, like I really, really like this person. I'm so scared I'm going to get rejected. I'm going to reject them first. Or I'm just going to go now um, call up my ex-lover so I can have this person on the side to kind of ease my anxiety because I might get rejected by this first person. Mm -hmm. So it's sabotaging behavior, but the root fear is a fear of abandonment and rejection. Now, the interesting thing is avoidance are drawn to anxious and anxious are drawn to avoidance. Generally, an anxious and anxious can't last together because it's too explosive. And an avoidant and avoidant lack the emotional that keeps it together and so those are the three main types of attachment styles and if you have an understanding of what yours is and what your partner's is you can much better navigate uh, all of these things that are going to start triggering you in your relationships and respond in a healthier way fascinating so you said you're writing a book so for people who can't make it to the boot camp will your book contain tips on understanding what it is your style and how to navigate it with your partner's style for sure. So my book is called Breakup Bootcamp, The Science to Rewind Your Heart. It's being uh, published by HarperCollins in the spring of next year. And it is step-by-step -step the program. It starts from um, looking at your exes really as data points so that you can put together what are the subconscious patterns and belief systems that's running your life. Um, and then from that point, we really start building the foundation from ground up again. And we look at the belief systems, we look at uh, the behaviors, we look at your relationship with power, your relationship with giving and receiving. And from there, we start to rewire and we provide uh, tips and tools just like we do from Breakup Bootcamp. And I utilize all these different experts um, who are in, interviewed in the book to provide examples and um, adventures and tasks to help people um, navigate relationships in a healthier way. Love it. Can't wait to read it. And um, so you're running this business now. Tell us a little bit about the milestones and what prepared you because, I mean, it's still a big leap that you made to be independent in the way that you are. And now you live in New York City. And um, tell us about how yeah. it changed. So I, um, before starting my own business, I was the chief marketing officer of um, a national lifestyle brand called Spin. It's a ping pong club, which I'm sure you know of. There's now 11 locations across North America. And it was an amazing job. I had an incredible team. I had a six-figure salary. Um, I had equity. 
and I left all of it. And it was super scary. And um, I had friends who loved me dearly, who've been through the entrepreneurial route, who were like, hey, Amy, you know, just do this thing on the side. Don't leave your paycheck. We know how hard it is. And I was really struggling with the decision because it wasn't like I was leaving something bad. I was leaving something pretty awesome. Um, but I knew deep down I had this calling. And it was, I couldn't, I, I, it wasn't a logical thing. I felt it in every part of my body that I had to do this. And if I didn't do it now, then when would be the time? Mm -hmm. And so I actually, uh, I remember this distinct day when I made the decision. I'm like, I'm just on the fence. I think I'm going to do it because uh, when I wanted to resign, um, my CEO also put more onto the table for me. I was like, oh my gosh. And I asked my mom. I, uh, as an independent woman does. <laughs> I called her. I'm like, mom. Um, I'm like, if I do this and if I fail and I can't get a consulting job and I can't get myself back on my feet um, and I run out of money, will you help me? Um, meaning, will you help me with three months of like rent? Mm -hmm. And if all else fails, can I move back home to Vancouver into your house? Mm -hmm. And she's like, yes. And she's like, I, I believe in you. I know that whatever you do, you're going to be successful. So yeah, I, I will totally support you. And with that, that was my safety net. And I'm so fortunate I have that because that's what really gave me the security to take the leap. And so I did. I had only three months runway. I left my job. I left equity on the table. I started this thing without really knowing what was going to happen. I was taking it boot camp by boot camp. Um, and it was very interesting because the day that I 100% committed, things started to change. And I still, to this day, cannot explain what exactly happened. Is it scientific? Is it universal? I have no idea. But it was as if this path opened and everything started to come along my way. Things just became easy. And I wasn't resisting. Um, it was, I was just flowing. And to this day, it's been two and a half years. Um, Things just keep coming to me. And so um, as much as I love the science of everything, I do believe that there's something else out there that the science hasn't caught up on and that when you're aligned, um, universe or whatever it is helps to conspire to make your dreams happen. And I feel like that's what's happened to me. Love it. You talk also about how energy um, kind of helps drive who we are, who we meet, and just the energy that we put into the world. Talk to us about what you've learned about energy and dating and, um, you know, how do you kind of, that's such a vague term energy, but I understood it when you talked about it because I feel it's like who you feel you are and how much you love yourself. Mm -hmm. And if you have that, then you're much able, you're better able to date. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, um, energy is a real thing. It's not some woo woo, uh, you know, thing only yoga instructors talk about, uh, the science is finally catching up and there's a lot of science out there on how, um, energy is contagious and how if someone is angry and they walk into the room and even though they're not showing it in their face, um, if you come next to them, your heart rate will start to increase, will start to go faster and your cortisol levels will start to increase. Mm -hmm. And so, and that's without that person saying a word, we can actually pick off energy from other people. And so um, I am a strong believer that your most important job in this world is to love yourself 
and keep your energy as clear as you possibly can because you cannot love other people and create and a share in abundance if you don't have yourself together. And so um, I made a very clean sweep of any energy that's toxic um, from friends to um, talking to certain family members to certain experiences to alcohol to drugs. Um, I keep it pretty clear. And I might be to the extreme, but I have to because of what I do. Um, there's so many people that rely on me that if I'm not at a very calm, stable center, there is a ripple effect. It's not just me now. There's um, a ripple effect of all the people that I'm working with and who come to my boot camp. And so I think the most thoughtful thing you can do is um, to prioritize loving yourself, which is keeping your energy clear. Mm -hmm. So if we wanted to like make that tactical, so, you know, um, and there's, I mean, there's so much, so many places you can take this, but like just the basics of yeah. you said, like, you know, obviously staying healthy, avoiding, you know, drugs and alcohol, avoiding people who make you miserable. What other kind of tactical things have really worked for you? And assuming you're already in a pretty solid mental state, right? Um, now you're just doing the work of trying to keep yourself in a good place every day. Yeah. So there's definitely tried and tested tactics at work. Um, so I'm just going to first explain how energy works. So whenever you have a thought, your thought will have a corresponding emotion. Um, a th your thought will have a corresponding chemical release, which creates an emotion. Um, and then your emotions um, will then kind of continue to grow and grow and grow, which actually starts to change your emotional state, which changes your energy. And that is the energy that's being uh, your currency. So that's what people are picking up. Right. So even when you're sending a text message and you're in a really low vibe state and you're like, the text message sounds fine and it's received a certain way. Why is that? Right. It's because people can sense it and they can pick it up. Even if the words you're saying sound perfect or your smile on your face looks perfect, people can pick it up. It's a very subconscious thing. And so the way that we could start affecting our energy is we need to actually start using our thoughts. Um, we need to use our thoughts to change our beliefs. And so one of the quickest ways to do this, start a gratitude practice. If you do this for 28 days straight, you write down three things you're grateful for and why. And when you write it, really start to feel into why and like let your body feel the sensations, whether it's like the beautiful trees, whether it's this friend, um, whether it's a like beautiful song that you heard and what that did to you that day. If you do this for 28 days straight, they've actually done studies that your brain starts to change. Mm -hmm. And so this is one of the things I spoke to one of the women who came to my second boot camp. So this was over two years ago. And she told me that since the day she left the retreat, she has written her inner gratitude journal every single day. So it's been over 800 something days now, even in the days that she doesn't want to, and she's hating life, she still does it. And it is something that has been part of all the things that she's done that have a compound effect in completely changing the way that she sees the entire world. So I think that's one of the things. Number two, we've all heard this over and over again, meditation. It is, if, if you meditate and you keep this as a daily practice, 
there is a hundred percent going to be a change in the way that you experience life. Um, you start to notice it within three weeks. You start to notice that there's a pause and a gap before you react to things. You'll start to notice that things that really piss you off and trigger you usually aren't so bad anymore and it's not so intense. So I think if you can give yourself a 30-day program and just be so committed and so disciplined to it and try the gratitude and meditation, you will notice a profound effect. And because of that, you won't need to rely on willpower to do it anymore. You'll just be like, oh, I'm rewarded for this, so I'm going to keep doing it. One of the things we do at Renewed Breakup Bootcamp is actually um, have a printed calendar with 31 days onto that. And every day that you do it, you make either a happy face or a cross, and it's called a strike. And the reason why we do this is because once you start seeing some crosses across it, um, it starts to release dopamine and human beings have a tendency to look at that and be like, oh my God, I have to keep going. And so that will help you in your commitment to doing 30 to 31 days. I love it. And so uh, for the meditation, what's the minimum and how can somebody start? There's like different ways of meditation. I have the gratitude down. And honestly, I've read Tal Ben-Shahar. I don't know if you heard of him. Amazing psychology expert on happiness. Recommended it Mm -hmm. at night. Started doing it at night. It makes all the difference because if you're Mm -hmm. like worries at night it yeah. just totally shifts everything i go immediately from worry to gratitude to how what can i do to like you know be thankful for everything instead of <laughs> writing about it right but i don't understand meditation tell us for people who never get it how do you start totally so um i think one of the easiest ways to start download the app insight timer Insight Timer has different types of meditations on uh, from the effect that you want. So maybe it's sleep, maybe it's anxiety that you have, maybe it's relationship happiness. You can actually choose the type of outcome that you want and you can listen to a guided meditation. And there's five minute ones, there's 20 minute ones, there's hour ones. Um, so just choose there. I would start small. Start with like a five, 10 minute one and find one that you really enjoy. Another thing you can do, and this is a method uh, taught by Tim Ferriss, is pick a very beautiful song. Um, and for those five minutes, you just close your eyes and you just like get into a calm state and like appreciate the song and listen to it. And that's a meditative state. And that will actually train you to start looking forward to it because you love that song. And so the whole point is you want to ease into it. If you're like, I'm going to start meditation, I'm going to sign up for this, whatever class. And you know, I have to do two 20 minute meditations before I eat and after lunch. Like, I mean, you're just setting yourself up for a pretty hard task because again, don't count on your willpower. It's, it's a source that runs out, create systems that's going to help you in succeeding. And so since we're all different, maybe it's the morning, maybe it's night, but just do something where you can commit to it for 30 days and make a goal that is realistic. You can do five minutes, you can do eight minutes, whatever that is, um, and try the guided for the first two weeks and see how that goes. And eventually you can then dabble into like, oh, do I want mindful meditation? I now do um, a combination of guided whenever I actually, whenever I feel angst, before I send the text or the email, whether this is in dating or you know if it's a business thing, I will make sure that I'm in a high vibe. And um, I actually had this experience yesterday. I was feeling anxiety with uh, a guy that I, I'm dating. Um, and my natural reaction was I wanted to reach out. And I was like, 
a bit angry and a bit like, do you, you know, I could date other guys, like all that stuff was going through my head. And I'm like, I'm not going to reach out because I'm needy right now. Hmm. I am needy. I have anxiety and I want him to solve it by saying something that's going to solve it, to cure it. And so I'm like, all right, I'm going to meditate and I'm not going to communicate until I'm in a high vibe. And I meditated for 35 minutes wow. and um, I came out and I was like, I'm in a really high vibe. My heart's super open. And I gave him a call and the call went really, really well. And so um, that's an example. Just get into high vibe before you communicate. <laughs> I, I just can't believe you meditate for 35 minutes. Like for, so for 35 minutes you were, I mean, are there mantras you're saying? Are you, are you thinking? Are you trying to retrain your stories in your mind? And is it yeah. So this, um, I meditate. So every single day, um, and it's a type of meditation, um, called Shaktipat. And I learned it when I was in Bali through a guru, as one does. And this type of meditation is you just, we would sit for an hour a day. And I did this for 60 days straight. Um, and you let whatever come up, come up. So you completely surrender. So if you have a thought, you have the thought. And you don't try to force yourself to say a mantra, breathe a certain way, sit up this way. You just let whatever come up come up and what ends up happening is in the beginning it's super noisy because all the stuff is coming up and then eventually um it starts to quiet and then the 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 amount of time it takes to get to the space of quiet um becomes a lot faster and so now back in new york i don't do an hour i do 20 minutes in the morning and then as needed um so if i'm having a moment i'll go and i'll do like 30 minutes or whatever it takes. And yesterday's particular case, I wanted guidance. So before I went into the meditation, I actually said, I am going to meditate. And my intention is to get guidance around the situation. Mm. And then I just closed my eyes and I went in and I got guidance in that situation, which was open your heart. Even when you hurt, open your heart. And that's what I did. Interesting. All right, so um, I'm going to take it to towards your business for a second. So, what have what have you learned? Let's say somebody's listening and wants to start something entrepreneurial. What are the, kind of the top three things you've learned about going out and starting your own thing? And they can be either, you know, finance related, um, budgeting, you know, planning, or anything. Uh, the very first thing is take the first step. And I think what stops a lot of people is overwhelm. And a, a natural tendency for people when um, we feel overwhelmed is we either, it's fight, flight, or freeze. And often we freeze and then we do nothing at all. And so it's like when you wanna write a book, don't think about writing 13 chapters and like, oh my God, how am I gonna do it? Write the first page or write the outline or write one paragraph, that's all you do. You focus on the first step and until you do that step, then you do the next step. And so I say that because when I started my boot camp, I actually had a date set. I was really nervous. And one of the, the person who was supposed to help me co-lead it, uh, who's someone I had worked with before, she, um, she actually had to drop out last minute and I was going to cancel it. I'm like, okay, for me, I was almost really, I'm not ready. And she's like, yeah, you're doing it. She found me a replacement. She's like, you're going to do this thing. And I had every reason why I shouldn't. And she really just pushed me to do it. And I did it. And I was like, Oh, like that was 
easy. Like otherwise all this fear and these hypothetical situations of how you're going to fail, they're going to keep building up and creating this big anxiety monster and then you just won't do it. Yeah. So just start, launch, create the blog post, commit to the date, hire the person, do whatever it is to actually mentally um, and energetically commit to something and then take it from there. Mm -hmm. That's one step. Do you want to get me to give yeah. you more? Yeah, let's do two more. Um, I think a second thing to do is, let's see, um, <laughs> another tip I would advise, and I think this also depends on where you're at, is seek the, the, the counsel and feedback of people who have done specific areas. Um, so... What I mean by that is there's going to be a lot of people who are going to want to give you advice. Uh, the same thing as in dating, right? Suddenly everyone is a relationship expert when it comes to love, especially your married friends or your family all have the reasons why you're single or who should be good for you. Same thing happens for business. People give unsolicited advice. And if you keep listening to all that, it's going to be really confusing. So find your, your team. And this doesn't necessarily mean you have to go out and pay, you know, crazy fees to people. Um, my team consisted of like mentors, of friends who are barely skilled in certain areas. And those would be my go-to people who I would ask. I'm like, hey, I have, a, I have a question about budgeting. Hey, I have a question about legal. Um, hey, I have a question about this. And I go to specific people for specific areas of expertise. Um, so be careful of who you get your advice from and really figure out early on who are going to be your people that you're going to get your, your exp expertise from in the areas that you don't know. And if you have the ability, hire a coach. Um, a business coach can really help you see the bigger picture and guide you along um, in the times when you feel like you're, you're sinking and help you create clarity and the next step to take. Um, so I would highly advise that as well. And then the third thing is, um, for me, this is what's worked. I've had now multiple times being an entrepreneur where I'm like, holy shit, I don't know how I'm going to make it. I have like two months runway left. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a very scary place to be. And so um, I, any time that I've been in that, I actually remember this book that I read a long time ago though, called Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself by Dr. Joe Dispenza. And he is all about using your thoughts to change your beliefs and your emotions to change your emotional state. And that when you are in an emotional state of scarcity, you keep bringing in more scarcity. And I remember applying his tools and tricks and that really helped me during times uh, in my corporate career. So I decided to do the same thing. And I remember this was two years ago. Um, I had two contracts lined up and both of them went away. And I was like, oh my God, I don't know how I'm going to survive. I immediately just did all these meditations and I did all these tools to like get myself into a state of abundance um, and not desperation. And then suddenly stuff started to come. Mm -hmm. And so was that a, a matter of me changing my, my, my thinking? So it changed my actions uh, and that changed the way people were responding to me. I'm not sure, but I've now gone through the cycle enough times that the minute I feel that scarcity, I get myself back into high vibe. I become super resourceful. 
I'm planting seeds all the time. I'm cold contacting, I'm taking meetings, I'm helping other people. Um, I'm doing this all the time as a way of being and eventually the seeds start to grow. Definitely. It's, it puts you in a mode of action versus fear, which might freeze you. So you're, this will happen. And then you start taking the actions to make that happen. It very well summarized. Exactly. No, I love it. And, and people could apply that to anything, any situation that they're in. Um, so what about what, and I'm sure there's a lot, like you said, everyone has dating advice, but if you had a daughter, what, after everything you've learned after these two years of boot camps, what kind of advice would you give her about dating? Yeah. Uh, I think that what I would tell my daughter or any other women out there listening is the most important relationship is creating love with yourself and it sounds simple but it's actually quite complex because in order to do that you need to get back to the state of complete perfection you were when you were born in this world which is you had everything you needed and then somewhere along the way life happens and we get programmed and we get wired a certain way we get traumatized and we create self-preservation and defensive mechanisms and protective barriers and that's not actually who we are and we become so disconnected from ourselves and so i think that this journey and for me i'm still on the journey i don't think it's ever going to end i don't think it ends for anyone it's actually coming back to yourself and um, love is is not a destination. It is a practice that you make every single day. It's in all of your choices. So if you have a hundred choices a day, and in the beginning you might be making twenty choices of self love, and the other eighty in self hatred. Um, if you start to exercise that muscle and be like, okay, well tomorrow I'm going to add in a gratitude practice. Well, that's twenty one choices out of a hundred, and eventually you start doing this more and more, and then there's a compound effect. And the goal is, it's not that you just get into a state of like, I'm happy, I'm in self-love, and you just stay there. The goal is that eventually you train yourself to make enough decisions in a day where the predominant theme is of self-love. And when you come from that place, your relationships, whether they're with friends or romantic partners or business partners, completely change because your source of that relationship is coming from a place of love and abundance not scarcity, not desperation, and not neediness. And um, I think there's so much bad advice out there that is teaching you how to play games and manipulate and dress this way and text this way. It doesn't fucking matter. It's all energetic. And if you don't have your foundation right, eventually it's going to crumble when you're with someone else. I love that. That's a good place to end until we get your book. And then I'll have you, <laughs> can't wait to have you back on. Thank you so much. Um, love talking to you there's so much more so hope we can continue and uh, tell people how to find you awesome um so yeah you can find more about um my boot camp at renewbreakupbootcamp.com i also have a blog where i write about the psychology of love and attraction called justmytype.ca and if you want to follow me on instagram i'm at miss amy chan